You are listening to the inaugural episode of Tarotmance, a show that delves into various topics concerning tarot, such as the art, the artists, interviews with fellow readers and intuitives, deck reviews, as well as guidance and reflections on the times we live in through the lens of sacred symbolism. My name is Arvia, a graphic artist and tarot reader that can be found at tarotmance.com, and for the duration of this podcast, I am also your host. Welcome. I would like to start off by wishing everyone a happy spring equinox. I know so far this year has started off quite challenging for many of you out there due to the weather. Um, As for me, my 2023 started out with flooding in my apartment. And um, but it was just my bedroom. My next door neighbor's entire apartment was flooded. Um, We're on the West Coast in the Santa Cruz Mountains. So if you don't already know, we've experienced a tremendous amount of rainfall and even a little snow, which is very unusual in this area. I even heard that it snowed in parts of Los Angeles, which I would have loved to to see in person. So. Because of everything that's been happening, I've had contractors coming in and out of my place in order to repair the damage. Um, And we've also been experiencing very frequent power outages that have caused a lot of disruption in my life and um, the lives of those around me. Luckily, uh, my landlord was able to have a lot of the water diverted down from our area so that um, it doesn't flood another apartment. Uh, However, we still get these intense bouts of rain and wind that knock the power out and sometimes it takes days to have it restored. I usually love the rain, but this, this has been a lot. Other than that, I'm looking forward to the new energy of spring and airy season. I have a lot of projects that I'm excited about on my to-do list, this being one of them. And I'm really looking uh, forward to uncloistering myself and sharing some of my plans with you guys. So hopefully things will be moving a lot more smoothly for me, uh, for me from this point on, and hopefully you as well if you've, you've had a rough start to the year. Today, I want to discuss a topic that is honestly a little bit overdue, but I think still useful to kind of ruminate on and dissect. And that is the energetic influence of last year's tarot card, The Lovers, uh, and how that is impacting us this year in 2023 with the Chariot card. And in general, this will also be an analysis of The Lovers and Chariot cards. I also want to discuss some tarot news and the newly released Buffy the Vampire Slayer deck, which I'm quite excited about, as well as some of my own artistic endeavors I'm currently undertaking and where you can check them out. And just so you know, anything discussed in this podcast can be found at tarotmance.com podcast under show notes. I'm going to start off with a little bit of sad tarot news today. Rachel Pollock, the writer of 78 Degrees of Wisdom, as well as many other very popular tarot books and classic comics like Doom Patrol and New Gods, is currently in hospice care. 
writer Neil Gaiman, who is also a close friend of hers, announced on Mastodon, quote, My friend, the brilliant author Rachel Pollock, is coming to the end of her life. She won the Nebula World Fantasy and Arthur C. Clarke Awards. She is a world-renowned expert on tarot, and her books on tarot are still regarded as the gold standard. She created the first trans superhero in Doom Patrol in 93. I will miss her very much when she goes. I am writing this at the request of her wife Zoe, to let her friends know that the end is soon, and to let the obituarists know, too. Unquote. Sad news for the tarot community and anyone who is a fan of her comics. For those of you who don't know, she's been battling lymphoma. If you would like to help out her family while she's in hospice, there is a GoFundMe page where you can donate to assist with all of her expenses. I'll leave the link in the show notes. I also want to mention a lesser-known project that Rachel Pollock had a hand in, and that is the Slayer's Tarot. That's right. There was a Buffy the Vampire Slayer tarot deck before this newly released one. I just found out about this. This deck was supposed to be the original Buffy the Vampire Slayer tarot deck. It was scheduled to be released in August of 2008 by Dark Horse Comics, but according to Buffyverse Wiki, the publication of the deck was canceled earlier that year, apparently due to circumstances beyond their control. The artwork was illustrated by Paul Lee, who worked on Buffy comics published by Dark Horse, and the text was authored by Rachel Pollock. Some of the artwork for the Major Arcana is still online. In this deck, the Fool is depicted as the first slayer, Buffy is the magician, Willow is the high priestess, Angel is temperance, and Buffy and Spike are depicted in the Devil card. If you want to check it out, the link will be available on tarotmance.com. The current Buffy the Vampire Slayer deck was released about a couple of weeks ago, March 2023. It was written by Casey Gilley and illustrated by Carl James Mountford, and I will be reviewing it and using one of the Buffy-themed spreads to give a general reading later in the show. Okay. Right now, I want to do a quick 2022 year in review and 2023 forecast based on the tarot cards that represent each of those years. As you may or may not know, last year was represented by the Lover's Card. For those who don't know how the numerology corresponds to these cards, we can easily figure out what year or date corresponds to the tarot by taking the sum of the number representing a particular year until we get a single digit with the exception of the numbers 11 and 22. But in this case, with the year 2022, we just have a single number, the number 6. Since 2 plus 2 plus 2 is 6, we end up with the number that corresponds with the 6th major arcana card, the Lovers. And if you're not familiar with the major and minor arcana, a standard tarot deck consists of 78 cards. 22 of those cards make up the major arcana, each representing a major theme one encounters in the journey of life. The chronological movement one makes through the different themes of these cards is often called the fool's journey, and that is because the first card in this series is the fool card. 
and all 22 of these cards can be sectioned off into three different phases or lines used to delineate between the development of the outer self, delving into the inner self, and reconciling these two selves to experience spiritual wholeness or superconsciousness. The first line ends with the chariot card, the second line ends with the temperance card, and the third line ends with the world. The minor arcana consists of four suits, all represented by one of the four elements, wands which represent fire, pentacles which represent earth, cups, water, and swords represent the air element. Lastly, within each suit, there's a king, queen, knight, and page representing one of the four elements. Those are called the court cards. And when I refer to the lover's card, I'm talking specifically about the Rider-Waite-Smith version. For those who don't know, this is the most popular tarot deck in the modern era. It was created in 1910. Many tarot enthusiasts use this deck to learn how to read tarot cards, and for many readers, this is the primary deck that is used to do readings. Alright, so back to the lover's card. This card depicts a naked man and woman, one in front of the tree of life, and the other in front of the tree of knowledge. The man looks toward the woman, the woman looks toward the heavens, and between them is a distant mountain and at the midpoint of the image an angel is emerging from a cloud in front of a giant glorious sun. Now on the surface this card represents relationships, duality, choice, union, and we can certainly apply these themes to what we may have been experiencing last year, 2022, individually and collectively. However, I would like to take a deeper dive into the meaning of this card and the significance of the energy this card represents in relation to last year and what that means for the future. I'll start with the Lover's Card. If you're not familiar with the imagery on the Lover's Card, please feel free to take it out or pull up an image online to follow along. The image, as I've already described, showcases a man and a woman in the style of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. These two figures are a representation of duality and polarity, the feminine and the masculine, heaven and earth, vice and virtue, good and evil. The merging or union of these ideas, balancing them or choosing between them, Many of these same themes are echoed in the numerology of the number six. Again, this is the sixth card in the major arcana. This particular number represents love, beauty, family, relationships, home life, and finding a balance within these concepts. As I've mentioned before, on the surface this is a card about relationships, union, literal lovers, and choice. Historically, this card was represented in decks previous to Rider-Waite-Smith as a card of choice. However, we can also explore themes of passion, vulnerability, and temptation. These ideas along with innocence can be extracted by the fact that the man and woman are depicted as nude. Along with the Garden of Eden-inspired imagery of the snake wrapped around the apple tree representing forbidden fruit right next to the woman, or in this case, Eve. The image of the angel emerging from the cloud conveys the element of air and the manifestation of the unconscious into conscious reality. Now, this is where I think the core meaning of the card presents itself. And that's not to say that the other themes associated with this card are not accurate. 
but that there are layers of meaning when it comes to the tarot cards or various other forms of divination. The angel acts as a messenger from God. The large sun behind the head of the angel is symbolic of God in consciousness. In this image, we can extract meaning from symbols that are not present. Notice, despite the theme of duality and polarity, there is no depiction of a moon, which represents the unconscious. A very important, often overlooked meaning of the lover's card is bringing awareness to the unseen. The male figure is an archetype for consciousness and awareness. His direct gaze at the female figure conveys ideas of attention and alertness. On the earthly plane, he is holding space for the feminine counterpart while she freely gazes up toward the angelic being hovering above. In this instance, the male also represents reason. Because the conscious world is governed by rationality, the passion the male archetype has for his divine counterpart, or in this case, the female archetype, is often the strongest compelling force that connects the conscious mind to the unconscious mind. It is through the feminine that messages from the divine can be delivered into conscious awareness. Again, the lover's card is a card of duality and polarity, so when speaking about the masculine and the feminine, male and female, man and woman, Know that these two different energies are represented in all of us to varying degrees. It is through the interpretation of different symbols, often representing extremes, that we are able to extrapolate deep and layered messages. Continuing with the theme of air, the lover's card is ruled by the zodiac sign of Gemini. In addition to Gemini being ruled by the air element, we find more themes of duality, thought, choice, communication, and adaptability. By achieving awareness and bringing consciousness to the unconscious, we are opening up smooth channels of communication with oneself and desires of the soul. It is through this process that we become aligned with our true purpose and the true version or real self is revealed. Even within this theme of becoming aware or self-actualizing, this cannot happen without choice and free will. We are often gifted with knowledge or circumstance that helps us to make one decision over another. When we find ourselves choosing the option that is in alignment with our soul's purpose, we often undergo transformation, renewal, and ascension, a metamorphosis of the self. Now, on the other hand, within the major arcana, there is a card that represents the dark side of the lovers, the devil which is the 15th card in the Fool's Journey, also ruled by the number 6. This card boldly illustrates the negative consequences of being tempted to make the wrong choice. This card almost acts like an inverse of the lover's card, and the composition of the artwork is very similar. In it, there is a figure of a man and a woman in the same position as the lover's card, except in this depiction the two figures are in chains. You'll notice almost immediately the color scheme is a lot darker, and like the lover's card, there is a large winged figure separating the couple. However, instead of an angel, there is a devil, with bat-like wings crouching atop a black pedestal that the man and woman are both chained to. You may also notice the different directions the two figures are looking. The male figure looks downward and the female figure looks ahead of her, 
These two figures are not working together with spirit in order to connect to the divine or reconcile polarities. As with the lover's card, being gifted with choice and free will can help connect us and bring us closer to God. However, it can also corrupt us, leaving us with attachments, addictions, stagnation, emptiness, and compulsions by making the wrong choice and giving in to our temptations. So at this point, you might be thinking, okay, that's great, but how does this apply to me in the year 2022? Well, let's think about some of these themes. Thought, choice, communication. Maybe you found yourself at a crossroads. If we take a look back at the past couple of years, the year 2020 was represented by the Emperor card. This is a card that represents authority, structure, protection, control, establishment, and discipline. The tarot card for the year 2021 was the Herophant. This card represents conformity, traditions, education, beliefs, and conventionality. When we reflect on that time period, because of the global crisis or crises that we were all collectively experiencing, you may have noticed there was a lot of restriction. We often found ourselves looking to a higher authority such as the government, and despite how we lived our lives before, we found ourselves conforming to this other way of being or living, as was required of us by establishment or a higher authority. You may have noticed that choice was not a major theme in 2020 and 2021. It was a time of rigidity. However, this lack of choice and movement triggered self-reflection and re-evaluation. All of the reflection we did during this time period gave us the knowledge required to make important choices in 2022. Last year, more people re-emerged from their homes, more businesses opened, and in general, we had more freedom to live as we did in the before times. As a collective, we reunited once again with a fresh perspective on life. Now, for me personally, I found myself in a state of having to constantly recalibrate, readjust, and adapt to different changes happening in my life. Some were personal, and some were a product of changes happening in the world around me. I had more freedom to make bigger changes in my life that year. However, if I made the wrong choice, it didn't take long for me to make the decision to move on. For me... I experienced a profound need to end cycles that no longer served. So if something didn't feel right, I moved on right away. I think for many of us, there is some decision or decisions that we were faced with and a longing for transformation and alignment and renewal has driven us to make one choice over another. Now you may be someone who struggles with unhealthy temptations and attachments, in that case, your challenge is to finally end these unhealthy cycles so that you can move forward in a direction that is in alignment with your highest good. This year, the year 2023, is the year of the chariot. This card is all about movement, momentum, direction, success, action, and divine timing. It depicts a man in armor riding in a chariot made of stone with two sphinxes leading it. One sphinx is black, a symbol of the subconscious. The other is white, representing the conscious mind. And they are both facing different directions. On top of the chariot is a blue canopy with the celestial star pattern, which represents divine timing. 
Off in the distance, there is a walled city and a body of water separating the background from the foreground. The chariot is the seventh card in the major arcana and is represented by the zodiac sign of Cancer. The number seven is a highly spiritual number that represents success, victory, alignment, and synchronicities, to name a few. For the symbols illustrated on this card, we can extract themes of vulnerability, exposure, and the stripping away of the ego. Remember, the chariot is the last card of the first stage, group, or line of the major arcana that represents who we are and the development of the self. From the safe confines of what we already know, it is time to take a chance and rush forward into the unknown, for we cannot experience transformation without movement. We must tame the opposing forces of our conscious and subconscious wills, needs, and desires in order to be in alignment with our highest selves and make progress in our lives. Any type of change we initiate involves taking a chance and being vulnerable. If we consider the symbol of the crab representing the sign of cancer that rules over this card, we know that without its shell, it's quite vulnerable. The ego does not like taking chances. It wants to do what it knows best in order to save face and maintain a certain amount of confidence. Taking on something new is scary, and it's only through experience and learning that we acquire the amount of knowledge needed to gain more confidence. With this type of energy floating around the ether, we really want to make sure we're bound to the right path and moving in the direction of our highest good. Because change is inevitable with this card, if we don't take the necessary steps to move into alignment with our highest good, we will be confronted with catalysts for change, whether we are ready for them or not. With this energy, it is important to know that although we may feel vulnerable, we are always supported by the divine. We also want to be ready for instances of divine intervention and divine timing. With this card, we will be confronted with challenges and tested on our ability to respond to them. As a collective, many people are leaving their jobs and starting something new. Even the search engine Google noted an uptick in users searching topics like how to change oneself, how to find a better job, what are the best places to live, and so on. After spending so much time reflecting and reimagining the self, it is now time to move forward and take the actions needed in order to actually experience change from within. Remember, when it comes to a year represented by the chariot, be prepared to grapple with external triggers. If you've been dealing with stagnant energy, it won't stay that way for very long. Taking control of the situation instead of being forced to change will get you the best, least worrisome or traumatic result. And if you're really committed to change and trying to do something different, there's a chance that what worked for you before no longer will. One thing that I've been noticing personally is, when it comes to me and my life goals, challenges, and self-development, it's not just me and whatever I'm dealing with anymore. Because of the way the world is right now, we have to deal with a lot of problems outside of ourselves, which has a tendency to make things more challenging. But I think with these external challenges, there are opportunities to experience profound change 
faster than ever before, if we are ready. So, that was my little 2022, very late 2022 year in review, and also my 2023 forecast, which is an energy that we're currently in. I hope that was helpful to someone. I know a lot of the themes um, for this year having to do with the chariot card really do resonate for me. Um, so I am hoping that as long as I, I stay on my destined path or the path I want to be on, um, things will move forward to forward for me and, and I'll have a great ending to this year. So now, I'm excited because I'm going to give my review on the Buffy the Vampire Slayer Tarot deck. This deck was published by Insight Editions, authored by Casey Gilley, who has written some Buffy the Vampire Slayer comics, and illustrated by Carl James Mountford, who, from what I've seen um, of his other work, tends to use this particular illustration style a lot. And I think it really works well for this deck. I love the color scheme. This deck is made up of a lot of reds and purples. The colors that are used to stand out are pop, uh, range between light yellows to beige. The back of the cards are reversible, so it looks the same no matter how it's oriented. And the four suits for this deck are stakes, which represent wands, chalices, cups, Scythes are swords, and the pentacles are pentacles. So let's go over the major arcana. I really love how thoughtful they were with including so many different characters for the majors. One of the good things about there being a previously unpublished deck, the Slayer's Tarot, is that we can kind of compare what characters were designated for what card in the decks. If you're not familiar with the characters in Buffy, please bear with me. I promise I will be quick. I personally prefer the way the Major Arcana has been set up in this new Buffy the Vampire Slayer deck. Okay, in this deck, Xander is the fool, Willow is the magician, Tara is the high priestess, Drusilla is the empress. I actually think the last two should be reversed. Drusilla should be the High Priestess and Terra should be the Empress. The only reason I don't have a bigger problem with it is because Drusilla is my favorite character from Buffy. And when my energy comes up in readings, I am often represented by the Empress card. But considering that Drusilla has prognosticated so much on the show and her being a vampire makes many things about her quite unnatural. I think the High Priestess is more fitting. I also want to note that the little black kitten Tara and Willow adopted in Season 4 is present in the High Priestess card. I thought that was a nice little little detail they added. Alright. So, Buffy is the Emperor. Her watcher, Giles, is the Hierophant. Tara and Willow are depicted in the Lover's card. On the chariot card, Cordelia is smugly standing in front of her red convertible with a giant 90s cell phone in hand. Dawn is the strength card. Oz is the hermit. The slayer is the, the first slayer, is the will of fortune. Angel is justice. 
Spike is the hanged man. The gentlemen from season four's episode Hush are on the death card, which I think is very fitting. That was a really creepy episode. Joyce, Buffy's mom, is the temperance card. Dark Willow from season six is the devil. The tower card depicts Buffy jumping off of that sketchy looking tower from season five. Kendra, the vampire slayer from season two, is the star card. Faith is the moon. Buffy and Spike from one of the last scenes when they were in the Hellmouth is depicted on the sun card. Anya in the magic shop is the judgment card. And Buffy with her little umbrella class protector award from season three is depicted on the world card. I really like that in this deck, Willow is the magician instead of the high priestess in the Slayer's Tarot. I think it's very fitting that Buffy is the emperor instead of the magician. She's all about action, leadership, and protection. Um, so this is very fitting, and I like that they didn't force the card to conform to the character's gender. I also prefer Joyce representing t uh, temperance over Angel. Using Angel for the temperance card is a little bit too on the nose, um, although an angel is depicted on the classic Rider-Waite-Smith deck. Um, the character Angel better represents the Justice card over Temperance. Also, Joyce as Buffy's mother brings a balancing influence into her life. Um, in the Slayer's uh, Tarot, Buffy and Spike are on the Devil card, and that makes a lot of sense as their whole the whole fling they had going on was all about attachments. However. Dark Willow needs her own card. For those of you who don't know, Dark Willow is what happens when Buffy's best friend Willow loses her shit, basically. The last major I want to mention is the Tower card. In the Slayer's Tarot, Buffy is depicted jumping from a generic-looking tower, and in the newer deck, she is jumping from the Tower Glory's minions built in Season 5, which makes a lot more sense since there was an actual tower um, from the show that they could have used in the, in the Slayer's Tarot. So I'm glad that they used it in this deck. There are a few other cards I'd like to mention in the Minor Arcana. All of the aces are kind of loosely based on the Rider-Waite-Smith version with the hand emerging from a cloud, cloud-like structure. Um, we also have a lot of different characters showing up from various episodes. We've got, for example, alternate reality vampire Willow um, as the Three of Stakes. That time Giles uh, was turned into a demon by Ethan Rain uh, as the Five of Stakes. What looks like the potential Slayers fighting the last battle of the series as the Eight of Stakes. Spike regaining uh, his soul as the Nine of Stakes. Uh, oh, and this one's a really heartbreaking card. Buffy finding her mother's body as the Three of Scythes. And then we have. Buffy bot recharging as the four of scythes, werewolf Oz as the six of scythes, and just a side note: um, when I was on Amazon reading the reviews for this deck, um, one of the reviewers mentioned that she thought it was a wasted opportunity for Oz to not be the moon card in the major arcana, 
And, um, and I, instead, I think it was faith. It's faith that's the moon card. I personally think they, they fit everything together really nicely. I like the, how they were able to include so many different characters in the major arcana. And considering all the characters that they fit in, I think it kind of, I think it kind of works. But Werewolf Oz, he doesn't show up in the major arcana, but he's in the minor arcana as the Six of Scythes. Then there's um, the god Glory as the Knight of Scythes, the Trio as the Three of Pentacles, the Magic Box as the Four of Pentacles, and Dracula as the Ten of Pentacles, just to name a few. This deck comes with a nice little guidebook. All of the pages are a light purple or lavender color. All of the artwork for the cards show up in full color. Um, the images of the major arcana cards take up one full page with a description on the page before or after it. Um, the ma- minor card images are much smaller with the text descriptions wrapped around the image. Um, in the back of the book, there are four different spreads. Three of them appear to be original based on the titles. Um, we have the nice to meet you spread, which helps you to get to know your deck. And then we have the Prophecy Girl spread, A World Without Shrimp, and 5 by 5 Right now, I'm going to do a reading with the A World Without Shrimp spread. It says, If you have been feeling as though something is missing from your life, this spread can help you identify what you're craving. Card 1 represents an area of your life in which you feel unfulfilled. Card 2 shows an area of your life in which you've been overextending yourself. Card 3 describes the energy to invite into your life to help you come out of your shell. Card 4 suggests actions you can take to feel more complete. Alright, so this is a four-card spread. Um, It's kind of in the shape of an upside-down L. And so for my reading, the position representing an area of your life in which you feel is unfulfilled, I have the King of Pentacles, which on this card is Principal Wood from Season 7. He's in that room with like all of those crosses all over the walls Um, (laughs) that he was uh, using to torture torture spike um and then in the second position for that's supposed to show an area of uh your life in which you've been overextending yourself i have the temperance card with joyce summers and a really cool detail um in this card is they have the mask on the wall um the the mask that like turned people evil when you put it on I think it might be from the beginning of season three, um, but they have that mask on the wall as well as like some old trunks and and art pieces um, from the gallery, I guess, that she worked at. And from the in the third position, the card that describes the energy to invite into your life um, to help come out of your shell, I have the judgment card with um, Anya looking very stern with her arms crossed behind the counter at the magic shop. Okay, and for the fourth card, 
um, which suggests the actions you should take to feel more complete. I have the Ace of Scythes. And this is a really cool card. Um, just so you know, like the, the scythe that is used, uh, that is used in these cards is the weapon, like the special weapon that Buffy was given, I think, in the last season. Um, that powerful weapon that she was given. Um, and it also, and I, I think I mentioned before that the, it shows like a hand emerging from the cloud, like the classic aces from the um, RWS decks. But it's also, it's it's kind of cool. It kind of looks like there, um, or the hand is, is coming out of a cloud, like in a graveyard. Um, the way it's depicted really is pretty neat and very creative. All right. Now, as I mentioned before, I really like the art style. It has a flat 2D look to it. Um, there is no foiling on the side of the cards or the packaging. However, the text in the main image on the cover of the box is embossed. The colors are very saturated and the cards have a matte finish. However, this cardstock is a problem. The cards are way too thin. To me, they are so thin it makes it difficult to shuffle. I have to use a different method than I normally do to shuffle these cards, which is really bad. And I can tell that with time, they're going to get really warped or even tear. Um, the cardstock by far is the biggest disappointment when it comes to this deck. Now, I would like to introduce my rating system. I'm going by the five star system, but instead of five stars, we're going to do five star cards. Okay. And if you're confused about that, I, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> so for this deck, I'm going to give one, two, three and a half star cards. The reason why my rating is not higher is because of the cardstock. I like to say to the publisher, this is a different time. There are a lot of people that actually use their tarot decks. This is the type of cardstock for decks that stay in the drawer and never get used. Maybe they get shuffled once or twice before they make it to the Goodwill or eBay, but that's about it. Not good. But overall, I love the artwork. They made sure to include a lot of different characters from the series, and the deck really does resonate with me. In my opinion, this is definitely an improvement from the first Buffy-themed deck, the unreleased Slayer's Tarot. However, again, the cardstock is a bit of a letdown. Alas, we have come to the end of our show. But before I go, I'd like to mention a project I've been working on. I'm creating personalized intuitive artwork based on the tarot. With me, you can get your own personal portrait tarot card. So how this works is you book an appointment with me on my website, tarotmance.com. 
I will give you a live reading through Zoom to get a sense of your overall energy. And from there, I will create your own custom personal tarot card. You can find examples of my work at tarotmance.com and through Instagram and Twitter at tarotmance. And for the time being, you can save 10% by using promo code podcast. All right. This is a project I'm really excited about and I would really love to be of service to more people when it comes to creating artwork. So again, thank you for listening. Don't forget to hit up the show notes and follow Tarot Mats on Instagram and Twitter. Feel free to message me with any questions or comments. And until next time, goodbye Tarot Mancers.